Welcome to the Bookworm Collective. This episode, we'll be discussing August Book of the Month, See You in the Cosmos. So we are now going to discuss See You in the Cosmos. If you haven't read this book yet and don't want key plots or surprises given away, then you should stop listening now. But first, we're going to dive into a little about the book. Yeah, so just a little bit about See You in the Cosmos. It is written by Jack Chang, and it's a standalone book about an 11-year-old kid named Alex who tries to launch his golden iPod into space with a rocket that he made on his own. It's roughly 320 pages, and the target audience is middle school-aged kids, and it's a realistic fiction young adult novel. Yeah, so this is your last chance if you don't want any spoilers given away, because now we're going to dive into the plot. Okay, so this book is written kind of in a different format, so it's not like as a story it's kind of told through the perspective of alex who's his main kid who is recording little clips on his ipod to kind of explain his life Um, and that's the ipod that he's going to send into space so the whole thing is written in these styles of recordings that he's taken as short audio clips so in the beginning of the book um we just see alex getting ready to go to this rocket carnival so um, you see him getting ready with he's getting the stuff for his mom ready. So he he makes all of the meals for um, his mom. And so he he actually made all of those meals and put them in the fridge. And you just kind of see him get ready for his adventure with Carl Sagan, which is his dog. <clears throat> so um, in the beginning, you just kind of see him get ready. And then you go ahead and see him go off to the train station. And this is where he kind of meets his first struggle. So the first struggle is he just needed a parent or a guardian with him to get on the train. And he wasn't really old enough to ride just by himself. So he had another kid help him um, who was above the age limit that could actually ride the train by themselves and could supervise. So um, that's how he got on there first. Yeah, and then shortly as then shortly after the train has started, it ends up getting stopped because that kid that helped him get on the train ends up having a medical issue. So Alex ends up spending, you know, the rest of the train ride, you know, it's just him and he finds some strangers. So there's Steve and Zed who kind of show up and they drive him to the festival and helped him get the rest of the way there. So then it comes to the day where he gets to launch his rocket and his plan was to launch the iPod that he's actually recording all of these audio tracks on up into space. And um, so we see him get up in the morning and actually put together the rocket and he finally gets to it and he's super excited and it just didn't go well. And you he actually leaves the recording going on while you're launched and you actually hear the iPod hitting the ground and him picking the iPod iPod back up. So it doesn't go very well and he he gets very annoyed. He's, he's very frustrated about this and just wish that it had worked on the first time. 
And then he gets an ancestry notification that found a match for his father. So his father had left quite a while ago, and it's always just been something that he he's just like kind of offhandedly been looking for his father as well. So he gets a notification that they found a match for his father, and he'd gotten many notifications before, but he really felt like this was the time and he was already kind of close to where he needed to be. So after a while of um, talking with Steven Zed, he finally was able to convince them to take him further to Vegas. Yeah, and then shortly after they start this trip to Vegas, or I guess once they get there, the dog, Carl Sagan, gets lost. So they have to go on like this short little like side adventure to try to find Carl. And, um, you know, in this whole process, Alex ends up finding out that his father has passed away, but that he has a stepsister named Tara. So Alex ends up reuniting, or I guess meeting Tara for the very first time, and they talk for quite a while. And then Tara decides to help Alex get back home in Colorado, and they still haven't found Carl. And if you're concerned about Carl Sagan, it's okay because they signed up Tara to be like the emergency contact for whenever animal control does find him. So um, don't worry, Carl Sagan will be found. (laughs) So when they do get back to Colorado, um, Alex's brother and his mother aren't home. So Alex assumes that his mother is on one of her walks that she just always takes without really letting anyone know. And he heads to the roof to see if he can spot her, spot her. And then, um, and then he's also trying to set up his telescope too. And, and then Alex falls from the roof and has to go to the emergency room. So there's just a bunch of chaos going on. And, um, like there, it's just, it just feels like it's not going to end. And there's just this rapid, domino effect of problems that are going on. So um, the next time that we see him, we find out that he's okay. Uh, Tara Tara took him to the hospital, and it took him just a long time to recover. And then while in the emergency room, Alex's mother is found by his brother and the police, and uh, she has to be admitted to a different hospital for schizophrenia. Yeah, and so Ronnie eventually ends up coming home and kind of starts to take care of things, but they decide to move to California to live with Steve and Zed, which are the um, people that helped Alex get to the uh, Rocket Carnival in the first place, and they kind of decide to go move and live there so that Ronnie can still do his job and have someone who can watch Alex. And by this time, Carl Sagan has been found. Yes, that's a very big plot point that we want to, you really got to keep track of Carl there. Yeah. <laughs> and that whole that whole plot point I thought was like, it, it's just interesting because Alex is really into Carl Sagan. Like he really likes Carl Sagan. And actually Carl Sagan is like the main person behind the Voyager Golden Records, which uh, is a record that was sent up with the Voyager rockets. And so this is kind of like the inspiration behind um, Alex when he sent his iPod, his golden iPod um, to space. So, you know, that's kind of the plot of this book at, you know, kind of a pretty high level, but we're going to kind of jump into our ratings. So we're going to do it a little bit different this time. Um, 
Anderson and I are just going to talk a little bit about what we thought about the book and then give our ratings at the very end. Yeah, so um, right off the bat, um, from when we were talking about the plot, it's just that we said that the book was written in a different format than most books are. So um, that is something that I just found really interesting, just just with how the style of this book was written in the in the recorded audio tracks. And I don't know, it was just nice to see a different way of how a book is written. Yeah, I did think it was kind of interesting that, like, because the way the book was written, you know, like, the, it's in this audio format, was it definitely just kind of had, like, an extra twist. And there were some things that were kind of cool to see in the book, you know, like Anderson mentioned earlier, where, like, the recording is still going during the launch. Like, that part was fun, and it was, like, a good a good way to use it, um, like, this like type of writing, this style, which you don't see very often. So I thought, like... Um, I know the way it was written was definitely very interesting, but overall, I would say that the book was just okay. Like I wasn't like super into it all the time. Like I just had a hard time like feeling captivated by it. And I'd say that for me personally, the most interesting part of the entire book was just the way the story was told. Yeah, I I agree. I I just felt there wasn't a lot going on, even though there was. It just it there was nothing that really was exciting about what was going on. Like there was just a lot of going back and forth between places, looking for either someone or something, or they're just defeated because they couldn't find Carl Sagan. <laughs> it's just like there's a lot going on, and there just weren't that many details about what was actually going through Alex's mind. Yeah, and, like, some of the plot points that came up, like, they just, they were, like, totally out of nowhere. And it was like, okay, I I did not think that that was going to happen at all. But it wasn't like it, like, changed the story a lot. It was just like, oh, I'm kind of wrapping this, like, this story is kind of wrapping itself up, but I need the book to be a little bit longer. So what should we have happen? Hmm, I guess Alex will fall off a roof. You know, like, some of those things just, like... I don't know, they just like popped up. And um, I also think that some of these plot points, you just kind of have to suspend belief for a little bit. You're like, uh, I don't really know if that would have happened. Like the whole like, he's able to just like spontaneously meet this kid that's old enough to ride the train by himself. And then he'll just say, yeah, sure, you can come along with me. And like, nobody has any suspicion with that of like, you're too young to run ride by yourself, but this person who's just barely old enough to, they can supervise you. Um, you know, there's like those little things I just felt like were like off and just not super interesting, I guess. Yeah, and then another thing that I just kind of struggled with with this book is that the title is called See You in the Cosmos. So I just thought it was more of a book focused on space and like the little blurb about it on Libby while I was looking at it and like actually choosing this to be a book for the month, I really did think it was going to be more about space and it didn't say anything about all of these random troubles that pop up on Alex's adventure. And I just, I was just not expecting it. Yeah. And I don't think that's like something like bad against the book that it's not about space. I just think that both of us, kind of had this understanding that space was going to be a little bit more involved other than it being like this really kind of like loose theme just that like Alex is interested in space and that's kind of it I mean 
you know, like once they started talking about like this rocket carnival and that this kid's plan to get his iPod into space is to build his own rocket overnight that he's never tested. You're just like, okay, well, this is going to go really well. And um, so I just thought it was going to be a lot more about space, but it the book is way more about family than anything else. Yeah, and like at the very beginning when we were talking just a little bit about this book where we where it said the target audience was more for middle schoolers, I, I definitely agree that it like some of the things that are discussed in this book is more for middle schoolers, but if those weren't involved, I would have said that this is meant for more elementary schoolers. But like it's just I think that maybe it's just because we're older and it's it, we're just looking for more in our books. Like we've just read enough books where we're we're just searching for something a little bit more and maybe maybe middle schoolers would like it a lot better. Yeah, I will say there are like some things that might be a little bit hard for a middle schooler to wrap their head around. Like a lot of these like illnesses and like this like searching for family, I I think could be kind of difficult for some middle schoolers. And I was reading a little bit about like how this book came about um, just when we were like researching for this episode. And Jack Chang you know, was actually writing this book to be an adult novel and then kind of decided late in the game that he was going to like rework it a little bit to be more of a children's novel. So, you know, some of the things are a little bit odd. Like, I I think it's weird that like Alex is 11 years old. Like they, that's the age that they picked for him to be. But I would say like his maturity level and some of like the issues he's dealing with, it's really hard to believe that an 11 year old is going to be doing these things. And so like, I feel like in your mind, like Alex is more like 14 or 15, not 11. Um, so there's just like little stuff like that that's interesting. But I would say that um, if it was pushed as an adult novel, I, I don't think it would have done very well at all. So um, I would probably the middle school age is around the age that it should stick at. And then throughout the throughout the book, Alex would also discuss like, oh, my responsibility my responsibility age is much much older than what my actual age is. Why can't it just go off of my responsibility age or something like that? It's just like, yeah, you're definitely Which you're definitely more like responsible than most eleven year olds, but. Like, if you bring it up, we're going to think about it more often at that point. Well, yeah. And, I mean, I think that, you know, it's fair that, like, people, like, people tend to struggle with that sometimes. That, like, people look at you as if you're, like, a little kid when you feel like you can do so much more. And they do kind of play with that idea a little in the book, which is interesting. But some of the stuff, it's just, like, it is really hard to believe that an 11-year-old is doing these things. Like an 11 year old is building a rocket and, you know, he is obsessed with these space things and like thinks that he can send his iPod to space, which is just, I don't know. It's just like an absurd thought because in my mind, like, yeah, because I am going to have great luck the very first time I build a rocket to build a rocket that can actually like travel somewhere outside of our solar system just sounds kind of insane. Yeah. But, um, so there, I don't know, there's like little stuff I think that you just have to, uh, I don't think the intention is to think about those things that hard. And I think that overall, that's kind of just my biggest thing with the book. It was okay. 
But once you really start to think into it and dive into it a little bit more, you're like, eh, it's really not that great. It's a, I feel like it's a very surface level book. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, and, but it's definitely not something I'm going to be thinking about a whole lot. I'm not really going to be picking this book up again. And I, there's not very many people that I think I would ever recommend this to. So for me, that is why I'm reading it three worms. Yeah, I I completely agree, and that is also why I have decided to rate it three worms. It's just it just wasn't that interesting to me. Really, is the main reason. Yeah, as you have written it in our notes, it was not really your cup of hot chocolate. <laughs> well, I don't like tea, so there you go. <laughs> all, right, all right, so Anderson has three gummy worms in his hot chocolate. Um, <laughs> all right so if you liked this book or want to read some stuff that's similar to it um, we've got a few recommendations for stuff to check out so the first is the many masks of andy zoo which is a, another book by jack cheng so it's the same author and um, it's a fairly popular book but it is very different like it's not about the same things at all so if you really like the style and you like this author it's definitely a book worth checking out another book that you might like is called return to yesterday this is written by kevin emerson um this book is about a kid named will robinson who discovers a portal that allows him to travel back to earth um it's a very interesting like short story but not a short story it's more of a short novel based on a tv series and this book is actually um probably shorter this book is shorter than uh see you in the cosmos but in my opinion it would be more interesting and the main reason why i say that if you like this book you may like return to yesterday is that it's written in a similar format um it's it's written in mission logs and like video recordings so it's it's kind of similar to audio recordings but you but you hear this kid talking about his adventures through those uh video recordings yeah so another book that you may like is a book called rocket boys which is actually the book that inspired the movie october sky and it's based on a true story of Homer Hickman, who was inspired by the launch of Sputnik 1. And he's kind of a kid that could like hear Sputnik 1 over the radio. And, you know, as soon as he heard that, he just dreamed of working in space and working for working for Werner von Braun, who is the like main person behind NASA. Like he is like what pushed NASA forward. And so um, Homer Hickman forms a rocket club where he and some of his close friends can kind of work towards that dream of working for NASA. And this book is, this book is much more what I thought was going to be See You in the Cosmos. Um, rocket Boys is based off of a true story. So I kind of expected and thought that See You in the Cosmos was going to be more like Rocket Boys, but told in like a fictional setting where it's like somebody trying to work towards a dream of like being able to launch his iPod into space and kind of like, I guess like how he's able to achieve that goal. Um, you know, which obviously see you in the cosmos isn't that plot point. The iPod in space 
kind of like disappears. So it's not like it's not the main thing that when you think about the plot that um so Rocket Voice is definitely um worth a listen or is Rocket Voice is definitely worth a read. Because not everybody listens. All right. So now that we've finished See You in the Cosmos, it's time to find out the book of the month for September. For September, we will be reading The Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend by Katerina Bevald. The Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend is a heartwarming novel written by Katerina Bevald. Set, Set in, in the, the small, small and dying town of Broken Wheel, Iowa, the story revolves around Sarah, a young Swedish woman who arrives in the town to meet her pen pal, Amy. However, when she arrives, she discovers that Amy has passed away. In an attempt to honor the pen pal's memory, Sarah decides to share her love for books by opening a bookstore, transforming the town and its residents in unexpected ways through the power of literature and friendship. We will be discussing this book on September 20th. Record. And that brings us to the end of the episode. You can find the Bookworm Collective on Instagram at the underscore bookworm collective and on Facebook at the Bookworm Collective. Feel free to message us what you're currently reading or your thoughts on the book of August. Thanks for listening.